Brought to you by Modelo. Welcome back to yet another episode of Throne Hands. This is episode 79 of Throne Hands, approaching that 100 mark ever so slowly. Daniel, how you doing? I'm doing great, Jacob. Ready to be back at it, talking about the world of UFC. There's a lot to talk about. Got a card to recap and a ton of news. F- fantastic. All righty. So we're just going to kick it off with the first bout of the night. Claudia Cadalia against Yao Xiaonan. Yao Xiaonan. Yan Xiaonan. I mean... I, you couldn't be more impressed with their performance. Yes, Claudia Gadelia took uh, her down twice, but Yan Xiaonan is still doing more work off the back. Uh, even when she was clinched up against the fence, she was still doing more work. She, just, she was just doing work the whole fight, and that's one of the fight. What were your thoughts on this one? Uh, yeah, it was pace and pressure that I think won her this fight. And honestly, anybody that defeats Claudia Gadelia in this kind of fashion for me is going to be really impressive. And again, she outstruck her 133-84. to 84. 74 to 36 in terms of uh, significant strikes. And that's not where Claudia Gadelia is going to win a fight. But uh, Yan Zhanan made her fight that kind of fight. And I think, I think that's where she found the most success. Kept the pressure up, kept the pace up, uh, made this fight into one that was fought in her kind of style. And like you said, Claudia Gadelia landed two takedowns, but she was two out of ten. So you're not going to have a lot of success in that situation. Yan Zhanan, really impressive for me in this fight. I think Gadelia's still got a pretty bright future, uh, but taking a loss here isn't necessarily a huge step back. I think it's really more of a step forward for uh, for Jan. Definitely. I have to agree so as well. Uh, so we're going to head over to the rankings, see what's next for these people. We're going to talk about what's next for uh, Gadelia first. I think we could see her fight Esparza next. I think that's the fight to make, in my opinion. Uh, well, hold on, not Esparza, but um, Watterson, so- somewhere along those lines. Someone a little bit of a step down. But, I mean... Claudia Gadelia is still – she's still very good, um, I think. And she could still compete for a title in the next two years, in my opinion. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think so. I think there's plenty of people for her to fight. I think there's plenty of options. It's just a matter of who's available and who's ready to go. Definitely. And for Yan Xiaonan, I think uh, the fight to make is Joanna. I genuinely – I think with Rose Nami, you just getting the next title shot for sure, according to Dana White. That's the fight to make. What are your thoughts? I think that makes a ton of sense. I think that sets up a legitimate number one contender for whoever uh, is ready after Rose, Nami Yunus, and Zhang Wei Li take on each other. For sure. All right, to the next bout of the evening. Uh, moving up from the prelims to the main card, Giga Chikadze versus Jamie Simmons. Uh, Giga Chikadze, man, he's been looking fantastic this year. Uh, he's 12-2 and two overall, but he's won, a, uh, I, th- I believe, three fights this year already. Uh, one of the many fighters that have won three fights this year. It seems like there's a lot more than usual this year with a head kick knockout. Uh, just a flawless performance by Giga Chikadze. What do you have to say? Yeah, everybody wants to talk about 2020 for Kevin Holland and Kamzat Shemaev, and it's for good reason. But I think Giga Chikadze, in terms of how he's impressed, is right up there with those guys. Outstanding kickboxer, an outstanding talent. And he did, it took him literally eight strikes to knock Jamie Simmons out. He threw 16 landed half of them, and like you said, put him down with a head kick. Uh, Chikadze is a guy that doesn't look like he's got a lot of power, but he's got a ton of power, 
and he knows how to use it precisely with that kickboxing background. I'm really excited for what he does moving forward. He's a really exciting guy. He's fun to watch, and I think he's going to continue to climb up the rankings. Yeah, I believe so too. But so when we talk about rankings, we'll get to what's next week fighters for Jamie Simmons. I think it's a contender. But when we talk about Giga Chikaze, I think it's time for him to get somebody top fifteen. I think he has real potential in the in the division. What do you have to say? I think so as well. Giga Chikaze, he hasn't really been challenged to this point, and I think it's time for him to get a challenge, whether that be a top fifteen, somebody, some sort of gatekeeper. I'm not sure who it would be. Uh, but it's time for Giga Chikadze in this featherweight division uh, to find a challenge, to find somebody uh, that's really going to push him and see if he's got what it takes. Definitely. All right, to the next bout. Haoni uh, Barcelos versus Kali Taha. This was a great fight. I was very entertained by this fight. They were both going at it. But Haoni Barcelos, you wouldn't tell by watching it, but he had almost uh, about double the output that Kali Taha had. Very impressive performance by Honey Barcelos. Uh, what do you have to say about it? Yeah, Barcelos threw less strikes than Khalid Tahan, landed almost double, as you said. And he destroyed him in terms of significant strikes, 120 to 49 in that category. Henry Barcelos, we really thought of him coming in more as a grappler, more as a guy that was going to do things on the ground. He did land two takedowns, was two for four on takedowns. But he dominated Khalid Tahan on the feet, which I was not expecting in any way, shape, or form. I, I thought Barcelos obviously came into this fight as a massive favorite, uh, but I was really surprised uh, with his ability to control this on the feet as well as the ground. And again, that output that you talked about, 129 to 68 in total strikes and 120 to 49 in significant strikes is absolutely ridiculous. Definitely. Uh, so we're going to talk about what's next for these guys. I think Khalid Taha gets a relatively uh i think you'll get a gatekeeper next i think i think he has a lot of potential still he's only 28 he's strong he, and he's fun to watch too so i that's that'll, that'll bring some eyes to the table what do you have to say i think so taha is still in a position where he's very clearly got a place on this roster he's very clearly got a future in the ufc and honey Barcelos, i think the fight to make is honestly a, a top 15 matchup heck maybe even a. um Shoot, dang, the mind's uh, slipping my mind. Heck, I say give him a – what's his face? Sean O'Malley even. I think that's – I think that would be a fantastic fight. According to Sean O'Malley, he's not hurt. I think he's ready to go. I think that's the fight to make. What do you have to say? That's a very interesting proposition. I think there's a legitimate situation where you could see that happen. I think Andy Barcelos is ready for a step up in competition. I think that could be a top 15 guy. And I think Sean O'Malley would be an interesting challenge there. Definitely. All right, to the next bout of the evening, the co-main event. Uh, two big boys going at Andre Arlovsky versus Tanner Bozer. Uh, both putting out a lot for heavyweights, uh, but Arlovsky somehow getting the win here. Um, I was, I wasn't, I don't, I didn't agree with the decision, but I understand the decision. I think Bozer looked very good. I think he might, he'll get someone, uh, another gatekeeper in this heavyweight division. They're both very good. Uh, what do you have to say about this Arlovsky win? Yeah, the scorecards in this fight were certainly interesting because Tanner Bowser very clearly outlanded Andre Arlovsky in this fight. It's just Arlovsky was, I guess you could say, in control uh, more often. And honestly, uh, when it comes to a heavyweight fight, uh, the the uh, when it goes to a decision, I guess the, the perception of the fight rather than the actual points a lot of times will make a difference. I think that's the case here for Arlovsky. It was outlanded 68-34, to 34, uh, but there were just times where he looked a lot more dominant than Tanner Bozer, and you're going to have that 
with Tanner Bowser's style, where he's going to likely lose fights or lose points just because of the way that he fights, particularly in a heavyweight division, is not going to be overly impressive. Uh, but Arlovsky comes in, he gets the win, he toughs it out against Tanner Bowser, against a much younger guy. Uh, Arlovsky, it seems like we talk about him uh, in, in a similar way we talk about some of these other older guys in the, in the heavyweight division, where they just kind of never go away. And Arlovsky, I think, continues that trend. Definitely. I think with Arlovsky, uh, I think someone made a good point on the commentary team. I don't remember who, but Arlovsky's significant strikes were a lot more significant than Tanner Bowser's significant strikes. Right. And I think that's probably what won in the fight. So to the rankings, uh, I think Arlovsky, I think he stays the gatekeeper in this heavyweight division. Oh, well, he's moved up to the top 15 now. So he's ranked again uh, at 41, if I'm not mistaken. So that's impressive. But let's talk about what's next for Bowser. Um, I don't know what's next for Bowser. It's kind of tough to tell, honestly. Uh, he does, I think you'll get another gatekeeper. I just don't know who. Who do you have to say? Yeah, I think Bowser's still in a position where he's kind of trying to break into that top 15 role. We're still figuring it out. I'm not sure who that next one would be, uh, but he's still a guy that has high potential in the UFC and a guy – that I see being a big part of this division moving forward. For sure. All right. To the main event of the evening, Tiago Santos versus Glover Teixeira. I think you and I both chose Santos to win this, but Glover Teixeira coming back from the shadow realm uh, at least three or four times in this fight to defeat Tiago Santos by, uh, by rear naked choke. Uh, Glover Teixeira in his old age seems to have relied on the grappling and it has worked and you cannot dispute that uh, 148 strikes to 81 and 46 to 40 when it comes to significant strikes for Glover Teixeira. What were your thoughts on this one? Glover Teixeira comes in with the old man strength with the RNC here and it was kind of an interesting fight to watch. Like you said, has back against the wall multiple times against Thiago Santos, uh, but he was just able to kind of figure it out was a much more efficient striker, landing 82% to, to, to Teixeira's 74. And that includes a 73 to 63 number in, in significant strikes. Took him down four times. Teixeira just fought a much more well-rounded fight. Like you said, uh, Santos was on top of him a couple times uh, in, terms of, in terms of control, in terms of, you know, kind of raining down some fire on him. Uh, but Glover Teixeira able to come out of it, able to – get that beer naked choke slapped on and able to choke Tiago Santos out, which is obviously something that's really impressive. And I think the way that he was able to battle back a couple of times in this fight was really impressive as well. Definitely. Uh, and, you know, watching Tiago Santos on the ground, it didn't seem like he belonged there. Um, he seemed lost when, when he was on the ground. He wasn't really working. He was just kind of like a turtle on his back. And then Glover Teixeira just had his way with him. I was very surprised about that, even though he just got his black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. What do you have to say about that? Do you agree? I would. I think that was that was really interesting to watch because Teixeira so, so clearly dominated him on the ground, which is not necessarily something I was expecting coming into this one with, with Glover Teixeira, as you said, uh, recently picking up that, that black belt. Uh, it was, it was uh, a weird thing to watch, to be totally honest. Yeah. So, to the rankings, uh, I don't know who was Sexton or Santos. Uh, this light heavyweight division is kind of a, a mess. Uh, I think maybe Rakic, I, I don't know, he, he seems ready to go. Uh, but a lot of these guys, they're, they're just kind of rearing and ready to go. They have matchups already. Uh, I know, uh, obviously, Glover shares the number one contender. Santos uh, just lost. Dominic Reyes and uh, Prochaska are fighting. I think, yeah, it's 
it's a little bit of a mess here. I think Rakic might or Anthony Smith might be the answer for Santos. What do you have to say? Yeah, it's one of those two guys where he has to wait, which I'm not sure is necessarily a bad thing. Tiago Santos has built up enough goodwill with his performances in this division to where he can't afford to wait a little bit. But if he's looking to fight soon, I think it's Rakic or, or Anthony Smith. Definitely. And, uh, you know, no one, no one has ever been the same after they fought John Jones. And I think just uh, – Santos and Reyes must just both show that. It's really interesting. Uh, John Jones, someone made that point in the John Jones Twitter thing. And no one's just ever been the same. Like they've they haven't been as dominant. They have I wonder what it is. What do you think it could be? I don't know if it's a mental thing where going in there and having been so dominant on your way up and then getting dominated, which neither of those guys got dominated. Uh, but you get what I'm saying with the way that John Jones fights. I don't know if it's a mental thing. I just don't know because that's the only thing that I can think of where you've had such a dominant career yourself and then you go in against the literal dominator of the UFC and you get just you get it handed to you. I don't know if that's, that's the way I would think about it, but that's the only thing that, that would make sense to me that would explain that. I don't even know if that's, that's remotely the truth, but it seems, it seems like a relatively decent idea. Definitely. So, just some news. Uh, we got we have some late news, but it's, it's news nonetheless. Our boy Kevin Holland coming in on late notice against Jack Hermanson. I can't wait for this fight. Uh, apparently, J- uh, Hermanson's team tried to call some other top te- top fifteen guys. No one wanted it, and Holland was like, "I'll take it." So he took it. Uh, this fight is will be on December twelfth. Jared Till still has a lingering knee injury. What are your thoughts on this one? I can't wait. Yeah, Kevin Holland, if he wins this fight, uh, then I, I don't know what to think of Kevin Holland because he will his 2020, I would say, will literally be the greatest 2020 in terms of – or the greatest year, I should say, in terms of coming up through rankings that I think we've ever seen in the UFC. Uh, so Kevin Holland in a position to, to make some things happen for himself, make some things happen for his career uh, coming up against Jack Hermanson in, in December – uh, like you said, Darren Till forced out of this fight with an injury. Uh, you would have expected somebody in the top 15 to step up. Hermanson claims that several turned down the opportunity, uh, which led to Kevin Holland being chosen by the UFC. I think this is going to be a really interesting fight. It's going to be the biggest challenge by far that we've seen Kevin Holland have, but I think he might be ready for it. Yeah, for sure. It's it's very intriguing and it's exciting stuff, so can't wait to see how this uh, transpires. But let's, let's go to some more recent news. Let's start off with, uh, I don't know, which is the bigger story, but I'm just going to say uh, the lesser of the two stories is uh, Felder coming in to fight Rafael Dos Anjos on very short notice, five days. He's going to fight at 155, not a catch weight. Uh, and Dos Anjos has returned to the, to the lightweight division. What do you have to make of this? This is crazy because Rafael Dos Anjos stepping back down to 155, was already a crazy story. And then you bring in Paul Felder, uh, who we all thought was retired on five days' notice to fight at 155 to make weight. That's insane to me because, uh, obviously, uh, Felder looked good in his last three fights coming off that split decision loss to Dan Hooker in his last one. Uh, But this is insane to think about that this man has had such a long layoff, uh, was really not expected to step back into the octagon at least anytime soon. And he's going to take this fight on five days notice. It's crazy to think about. It sounds like something out of a movie, but I'm excited to see it, and I'm here for it. Definitely. 
And to the next thing, uh, Nunez out of 256 for a month. Uh, she'll probably be fighting, it, I would assume, sometime in January for the title. Uh, I don't think it'll be at 257 because that's they don't want to have a, a non-title fight headline, a pay-per-view with a title fight on it. So uh, this could be on ESPN. Who knows? But uh, I, th- I don't think there's really much to say here. But what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, there's not not a lot to talk about, honestly, because just the fight is off. And I would expect it to be rescheduled fairly soon. Doesn't seem like it's a major injury for Amanda Nunes. Uh, but still, it's kind of disappointing that we're not going to see it that soon. And it makes things interesting for UFC 256 for how they're going to fill that card out. Obviously, you have the op- uh, option, excuse me, uh, to move Piotr Jan and Aljamain Sterling into the main event. But that's not necessarily a guarantee. The UFC is going to look to expand that card a little bit more, I think. I, I just I just an idea just popped in my head. How about move Sterling and Jan back to January and we move up McGregor Poirier to December? I think I think that's the move to make. I think there's been some discussion about that. I saw a tweet from Ariel Halwani saying that not necess- that that may not happen because they wouldn't want to have a non-title main event over a title fight with that Bantamweight fight that would be in the co-main. But I think that's an interesting proposition where if you move that back to January and make McGregor Poirier, well, that would be a title fight. What am I talking about? But you know know what I'm saying, where, again, I think that would just overshadow Jan and Sterling. But again, if you move that back and make Poirier McGregor the marquee fight on that card, I think it's definitely something that you have to pay attention to. I think it'd be something to keep an eye on. Obviously, that would throw off training camps for Jan and Sterling, which at this point I'm not sure you want to do just a month out from that fight. But it's certainly something to, to keep uh, to keep in your back pocket. Definitely. All righty. Uh, to one more little topic that we have here. Uh, so last week, Dana White announced that Israel Adesanya will be fighting for the light heavyweight title next. But – People want Glover to share to get that shot next, and I can't blame him. He's 41, he's old, and, you know, five months is a lot more time when you're 41 than when you're uh, 31. I, I think he deserves the, the next title shot. I think they need to give it to him because this is, this is his last chance, to be honest. If he waits long, it could, be, it could uh, spell not good for him. What do you have to say? Yeah, I think Glover Teixeira very clearly deserves the light heavyweight title shot. Uh, Israel Adesanya on Blachowicz, it, it's, it's a two-division title fight. It, it's going to be, obviously, a, a huge money fight. Uh, anything Israel Adesanya is going to do is going to be huge money, but you add another title into the picture, it takes it even, even a further step up. Uh, when it comes to Glover Teixeira, I, I agree he should get that title shot first, uh, largely because of his age, but also because of how good he's looked in the last few months, the last few years including this fight against Tiago Santos. It's a shame because I don't think he's going to get that fight. They're not going to go back on saying that Adesanya is the next challenger. Uh, but I think Glover Teixeira should be in the next title fight for the light heavyweight championship. And it's a shame we're not going to see him do it. Yeah, uh, but I mean, uh, maybe Dana White's just saying this for the cameras. It wouldn't surprise me, but he has cons- he is considering changing the title fight. So I hope it happens. Come on, Uncle Dana, do something. But it's... This light heavyweight division is really interesting, and I, I, can't, I can't wait to see how it plays out. It's, it's exciting stuff. Do you have anything else you want to talk about? That's it for me, my friend. All righty. That'll do for us here. Uh, Danny, I want to thank you for coming back on. Thank you. And we'll be back Friday to preview fight night. Felder versus Dos Anjos. Peace out, everybody.